Welcome to Well Played Podcast, a show on all things playful and joyous in education. I'm your host, Michael Matera, sixth grade teacher, author, speaker, and co-founder of EMC2 Learning, the greatest community of educators around. Let's dive right into today's episode. It's going to be a short one, but I do want us to sort of take a moment to look at agents of agency. So this this title comes really from the last word there, agency, and this idea of giving people the ability to sort of feel in control of a situation. A big piece of John and I's research center around this idea of agency because it's really central to a game that you, the user, you, the the, the player, the student, whatever we want to use is, uh, I can't say fully in control, but you, you have a definitely like large sensation of control over your turn and over your action. Some games have more randomness to them others really reduce that randomness almost down to zero so you are fully in control and this uh time and time again throughout research really shows the value of agency and what it does for our sort of psychological well-being as well as sort of just overall engagement and motivation into something as well as just a sense of welcome and belonging so this idea of agency in our classrooms in our game design in our course design in our lesson design is so important so i wanted to take a brief moment here to kind of have an episode that kind of recenters and focuses around this idea one such idea uh I guess I wanted to kind of peel back a little bit of research that you know I found kind of fascinating in this this whole world that we're looking at. Um, I'm probably uh, gonna first here dive into a sociologist by the name of Henslin in the 1960s. Sort of spent a number of weeks observing cab drivers in St. Louis and. At the, at the time, in the 1960s, a sort of a popular pastime among these cabbies was to sort of, in their free time, play craps, this like dice-rolling gambling game if you've never played it or seen it played. Uh, and Hensling sort of joined in on these games, and he made kind of an intriguing observation that the cabbies themselves, these drivers, came to roll the dice uh, in different ways. They kind of altered their behavior depending on the number they needed. When uh, they needed higher numbers, they needed those bigger numbers, they actually threw the dice harder, right? Like gave it more of a forceful toss or jab. And when they needed those uh, lower numbers, they kind of went with more of a gent like pop out of their hand and almost no force applied. And what is really sort of striking about this example and why I lead with it in this podcast is you and I know no matter what you do about however you roll the dice dice rolling objectively is uncontrollable there is no way to really like change the outcome of those dice whether you throw them hard or soft nevertheless these cabbies clearly felt otherwise right they they continued to make the choice that this this mattered uh and this is kind of an example where uh the sense of agency can sometimes be quite actually separated or divorced from objective reality. Uh, but it it actually matters in terms of the interaction, right? This player, these cabbies, choose to come back to this game, which is, for by and large, all left to randomness there, 
And they felt like they had agency over that randomness by the strength of their toss. And this separation here matters, but so does the sensation of agency is, is pretty darn powerful uh, in terms of this. Uh, I think also another good example where the reality is disconnected from uh, well, kind of our beliefs in terms of agency. And I think this, we could kind of say we have placebo buttons in our lives, right? There are buttons in our lives that really don't do anything. And I, I can tell you of two of them that happen at my school, right? Uh, we had a remodel probably, oof, I don't know, it's been maybe eight or nine years ago, maybe 10, I don't know, doesn't matter. We had a remodel and then part of that remodel is we got a whole new HVAC system. And part of that HVAC system, they put little thermostat control panels in all of our rooms. And it it works, I'm doing air quotes here, I can dial up or down below, right? I can say I want it to be 72, I want it to be 85, I want it to be double snowflake, it's like beyond numbers. It's super cold, right? But the reality is while they put these in, these were new. They, they didn't keep the old ones. They put in these new ones. It does absolutely nothing. I shouldn't say it does nothing. It sends that information back to a computer down somewhere in sort of plant services office and they can kind of see everybody's and they could choose to approve or not approve. But me actually changing it doesn't do anything. It just is a number on the computer where it says, ah, Mr. Matera's room wants to be double snowflake, but like it does not change the temperature. But there's this placebo effect, right? Like I put it on double snowflake because my room's really hot. And by being there, there's a moment. There's a moment in which I feel like I'm doing something. I am making strides towards what I want to change, right? I have agency. It is hot in here. I am going to dial this back and it's going to make a difference. It's not going to this is a placebo button. Another placebo button that I think all of us have in some way, shape, or form is the button on the uh, elevator, right? The closed door quack quicker button. Uh, the reality is that door was closing anyways. Like probably one second after you push the button anyways, it was going to close. So maybe that makes a difference. Maybe it doesn't. I would argue most of them, it is a placebo effect, but again, it gives you the agency. You feel like you can close the door. You can make that happen faster, quicker. Uh, but, but arguably it really doesn't matter. Uh, so I don't know. Agency is so important. It's that sensation of having some level of control. And this is where I want to kind of put us into more of the positive, right? Schneiderman's eight golden rules of interface design. So this is uh, designing apps and these kind of things, right? In his sort of 1992 uh, work, he talks about this idea that Whatever we do, whatever interfaces we create, they need to support an internal locus of control. That is a direct quote, right? A locus of control. And this is based on the idea that the users strongly desire the sense that they are in charge of the system and that the system responds to my actions, right? That is a feeling of agency. Now, Think about our classrooms. Think about any particular lesson, any particular activity you do. Is that statement true? 
is there an internal locus of control where they we we see where the control rests and is the system that they are interacting with responding to their actions in which they can kind of make different choices or different inputs into that system I think on one hand, we could say school does, right? Like we give grades and feedback and tests and quizzes and whatnot. And they could then make responses based on the inputs they're putting in, like bad score gets bad results out. And now they could make decisions based on that. But I'd say on the lesson level, like when we drill down to it, there isn't always a locus of control for the students. A lot of times it is on the rails, so to speak, right? We know the outcome we want. They're going to do this worksheet, this set of problems. By doing this set of problems, they will have practiced fractions 10 times. The answers should be the exact answers they should be. Uh, If it's a history test or a history worksheet or activity, it's like these 10 answers are the 10 answers they should get. So, It's not really a system in which it responds to their actions other than a binary right or wrong. And that's not agency, right? Uh, You know, this idea of do you want broccoli or do you want asparagus to a kid that doesn't like either, that's not really agency. They don't have locus of control uh, in in that situation. So... I want to like think with you for a moment. I mean, again, I don't have much more on this podcast. I just wanted to raise this idea of agency and how do you build it into your lessons? How do you build it into your activities? Uh, I have had the distinct pleasure of working alongside uh, John Meehan and together, you know, that is sort of one of the the researches that we love we dive in dive into we have a million stats and we read about all the time and we love to build into our activities it's what we call endless runway that is a piece that we give this agency to our students be it by creating activities in which there truly is kind of endless possibility they're not on the rails and as such there is a whole sense of locus of control because as they sort of move down one path that they chose to move down and I didn't even define, it means they're not moving down another or they can't move as far down another, right? Like time being a limited factor there. But results start to diverge from students and and not results in terms of like test scores, you know, like good versus bad. I mean, results is in terms of like outcome of the project like how it looks and feels outcome of the activity how it looks and feels the things we are able to explore and do together because of the individual intentional powerful choices that the students made along the way this is where agents of agency matters we as educators need in my opinion to give more activities that are less on the rails and way more on that endless road of possibilities, right? Where does it go? Where does our interstate system take them? Where does the intellectual interstate take them when they can choose to get on and off exits, go to different states, different places with their mind? It is so powerful. So challenging yourself to sort of weave in more agency, more choice, dive into any of our books, fully engaged, explore like a pirate and or uh, Adrenaline Rush by John Meehan. And 
all three of these books kind of touch upon this idea with different research, different ideas, and will inspire you. If you happen to be an EMC2 member, thank you. Huge thank you to our supporting members that help support the work John and I do. It is truly humbling and it's and it's an honor and we're we're excited to continue to work with you uh for years to come uh one last sort of thing that i gotta tell you as we wrap up we are john and i gonna support the hive summit this year it is year five of the hive summit and there's gonna be some changes made this year it's gonna be sponsored by emc2 it's gonna be built into that platform but it is gonna be for the Tinker Teachers and up. So everyone will have access to the Hive Summit. You just need an account on EMC2. So if you haven't done so, snag a Tinker Teacher account so that you can be part of the Hive Summit and get great PD free. And if you have an opportunity to join EMC2, we would be so honored and so thrilled. I can't wait to see what you guys come up with. Uh, this week we have in our newsletter that's dropping a survey that you can help decide some of the things that happen at the Hive Summit this year. There's going to be, we're going to be dropping those sort of choices and agency (laughs) throughout the next few emails. So definitely check them out. All right, everybody have a great day and play on.